Welcome to the next episode of SCI Care, What Really Matters. I am Dr. Jennifer Coker, social media lead for the International Spinal Cord Society, and I will be today's host for the podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the series so far. I've been enjoying the discussions we've had in the SCI Care podcast series. I especially enjoyed the history of the sports wheelchair episode with Sam Brady, so you'll be pleased to hear we'll be continuing to collaborate with him. In particular, we'll be looking at writing a dissertation during a pandemic, which is something I'm very familiar with, having defended my dissertation via Zoom in September 2020. Look out for my next blog and our conversations on social media soon. To build on these fantastic episodes we've had so far, I would like to introduce our next guest, Dr. Susan Charlefew, who has 35 years of experience in SCI research, completing her doctorate in health and behavioral science at the University of Colorado, Denver in 2004. She is currently serving as co-project director of the Rocky Mountain Regional Spinal Injury System, funded by the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. She has successfully managed and completed six major collaborative investigations of the long-term consequences of spinal cord injury in the U.S. and Great Britain, also managing spinal cord injury clinical research trials at Craig Hospital, including phase one, two, and three investigations. Dr. Charlefew is on the executive board of the International Spinal Cord Society, currently serving as secretary. She is also a member of the board of directors for the American Spinal Injury Association. Susie also is my colleague, mentor, and friend. I'm excited for this conversation, so let's get started. Susie, will you tell us a little bit about your research history, beginning with your focus on aging with a spinal cord injury and how it morphed into a focus on caregiver research? Sure. Many years ago, I was working with Dr. Robert Mentor, and he had a specific interest in aging and spinal cord injury and kind of tweaked my interest as well. At that time, I was working with some colleagues in Great Britain, and we collaborated together to start a longitudinal project of aging and spinal cord injury, following people at Stoke Mandeville Hospital and the Spinal Injuries Unit in Southport in the UK. And that was part of this whole six-time investigation that spanned from 1990 through about 2015. Uh, We were talking to people who had been injured for at least 20 years at the time we started the study. Some of them had been injured as early as World War II, and they had a lot of wonderful life experience to share and also the realities of what it's like to age with a spinal cord injury. During one of those investigations, I got the idea that I wanted to talk to some of their family members just to see how the aging and spinal cord injury aspects of their lives were affecting them. And it was interesting because one of the wives said to me, gee, in the 40 years he's been injured, nobody's asked me how I'm doing. Well, that piqued my interest. And then subsequently my dissertation, my doctoral dissertation focused on couples with spinal cord injury, one member having a spinal cord injury and the other being a a partner and sometimes a caregiver. And so that's how my interest in caregiving arose. The reality is caregiving affects every aspect of a person's life with spinal cord injury or without. In fact, we're all caregivers at some point in our lives. We start out being cared for as children and young adults. We become independent. We may have children of our own and become caregivers to them. And we become caregivers to aging parents and sometimes to siblings. And towards the latter part of our lives, when we become more dependent, we're back being recipients of caregiving sometimes. Now with spinal cord injury, that continuum of care sometimes starts at a very young age where they 
might be needing caregiving at the age of 20, where they had finally attained independence, and then they have a spinal cord injury and then need to rely on family. So it's become an interest of mine for a long time. And what do you think are today's priorities in caregiving research? Well, the reality is not a whole lot is done in caregiving research. The focus has primarily been on caregivers of people with Alzheimer's disease or other conditions associated with the extreme elderly. And that's a necessary population to look at. However, they don't really represent the whole spectrum of what people are needing to do in terms of caregiving, because you're talking about people who are quite elderly, whose life expectancy is rather shortened. Alzheimer's typically is a very gradual onset. So people sometimes have a chance to kind of get used to what it means to be a caregiver. Whereas with spinal cord injury, it's sudden, it's instantaneous. And family members are often thrown into the role of being a caregiver, a wife, a child, whatever their relationship is very quickly. And they have to learn how to be a caregiver as well as fulfilling all their other familial roles. We haven't studied caregiving in people who are younger. um, And that is becoming more of a priority. In fact, there was some recent research that showed that millennials, people who were born, I can't remember what the years are, but something like between 1980 and 1994, maybe, I don't know what the millennial generation is. They're becoming the caregivers now. And unfortunately, they're also the people who are in the workforce. So they're fulfilling multiple roles and the pool of available caregivers is diminishing while the pool of people needing assistance is is increasing. So it's a little bit of a conundrum. And then if we put COVID on top of that, people who had not even had to consider caregiving are now maybe assisting a family member who has had COVID and is having some of the long-term effects while they themselves may have also had COVID. So it's a, it's a big issue right now. And luckily, I think governments are starting to focus a little bit more attention on the needs of family caregivers. And in some settings, family caregivers are getting more appropriate, not adequate, but more appropriate compensation for what they're doing. It's a, often a very unpaid, unappreciated job. Thank you for that, Susie. Um, You are also the program chair for the ISCOS annual scientific meetings and are heavily involved in shaping the program. Thinking about your research, what are some of the sessions you are particularly interested in hearing this year? I'm really interested in all of the keynote speakers, our plenary lectures. They're always quite varied and quite interesting. Sometimes they're a little bit over my head because they might be involving basic science, but it's still interesting to learn. And I always learn something from them. There are numerous sessions on peer support. We are working closely with our Canadian colleagues this year because the virtual meeting is in Canada, although it's not really in Canada, but it's all over the place. Our Canadian colleagues do a tremendous job in terms of peer support and the lived experience of spinal cord injury. So there are a lot of sessions relating to that. Some of those sessions also involve the effect of living with the spinal cord injury on the family caregiver. And there is in particular one oral session on the Thursday of the meeting, I believe it is. And that's gonna be about caregiving and spinal cord injury, responsibility or burden. And that's a really important differentiation because it is a responsibility. It can be a burden for some, but it doesn't have to be. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that talk as well. Um, I think the program is quite varied. We really range everything from basic science up through personal consumer experiences Bowel and bladder topics are always quite popular. Obviously, right now, there's quite a bit on exoskeletons and some of the assistive technology people use. So it's going to be very varied 
And I think there will be something in the program that meets everybody's needs to some extent. And there is a big focus on the impact of COVID on spinal cord injury as well. So can you talk a little bit about some of that programming? There, there is. Yeah, um, there will be quite a few posters in that area, as well as a couple oral, oral presentations on COVID. Um, I think it hit all of us somewhat unexpectedly, and there's been quite a bit of work going on trying to learn about how COVID has affected us in our rehabilitation programs and how it affects people with spinal cord injuries living in the community who may already have some limitations. One of the things I've heard from various colleagues is that if you are using outside assistive care services, that sometimes was really impacted by COVID because people couldn't come into the home due to COVID restrictions. And so people were losing some of their attendant care that they had if it wasn't being provided by a family member. So I'm looking forward to hearing what some of the other problems have been and also how people have worked around these problems to, en to enable us to continue to provide good rehabilitation services and assistance, not only to those who are newly injured, but to people living in the community with spinal cord injury. Thank you. I, I agree. I think the program is fantastic this year. So well done on that. Um, so although you may be biased, why do you think it is important to attend this year's annual meeting? Well, I think all ISCUS meetings are important. I've been an ISCUS member for more years than I, I care to state, but it's been a long time. And you might recall that ISCUS very much started out as a physician organization. It was started by a group of physicians at Stoke Mandeville and a group of European international colleagues, and then some American and Canadian colleagues as well. When I joined, it was still very much a physician organization. And those of us who weren't MDs were associate members. And we had a minor role. We could still present at the programs, but we didn't have a really vocal role. And through a lot of work, through many of the associate members, we managed to get ourselves recognized as full members of ISCOS because the reality is spinal cord injury care has always been a team effort. While the physician may be the captain of the ship, it's always been a team with nurses, physios, OTs, psychologists, social workers, and researchers as well, as, and other disciplines, respiratory therapists, everything else. So I'm very happy that ISCOS is much more inclusive. No matter what your background or your discipline, you are a full member. If you choose to become a member, you will gain so much from the meetings because you learn about all the other sides of spinal cord injury, rehabilitation, and care. And the best thing of all even though it's a virtual meeting, the networking is so critical in ISCOS. We get to meet colleagues from all around the world. We find out what's going on in the developing countries and lower and middle income countries. We find out what people are doing that might be something that we're interested in collaborating with them on. And even though it's virtual, the virtual platform that we're using is very um, conducive to getting involved with others. You can talk to your colleagues very easily. Now, obviously a live meeting, is much nicer, but we hope to get back to that eventually once we can get past some of the COVID issues that we have all been facing. In the meantime, virtual meetings are very successful. We had a wonderful meeting last year in Japan, which wasn't really in Japan, but it was a great virtual meeting. This year, I think it'll even be better as people feel comfortable talking to their colleagues. There will be a lot of rooms where people can go and just visit and talk and share ideas and bounce things off one another. So I think there's a real benefit that even if it's virtual, that you can attend, network with others, learn a whole lot, share your ideas, share your research and your clinical findings, and just make our ability to provide assistance and care to people with spinal cord injuries 
that much better, regardless of where we are in the world. Thanks, Susie. Yeah, I'm really excited about some of the the new technologies that we'll be using for this year's meeting, especially the social interaction pieces. We're using a new platform called GatherTown that will allow us to interact socially in virtual settings similar to how we would interact in person. Um, So there will be, you know, cocktail lounges, there's a beach area, there's even a uh, a dance room where you can get in there and, and sing karaoke and dance if you want. So very excited about that. And as a new investigator myself, I completely agree about the importance of being able to network, even if it's virtual networking, but being able to meet people and talk with people is crucial to attending these meetings. Did you have something you wanted to add, Susie? Yeah, I just want to encourage people to look at the program. It's available online to think about attending the meeting virtually. It really will be something that will help you in your career, especially young investigators, young clinicians. You get to know so much through these meetings and the way that ISCOS and other organizations like ISCOS can continue to grow and thrive is with input from our new and young and up and coming investigators. Some of us have been at it for a long time, and I think we can provide a lot of guidance and mentorship and expertise where we can, but it's really the new generation coming up that will be the future of the society. And we really would like to get you heavily involved, get involved in committees, talk to the committee chairs to see if you are eligible to be on a committee. Uh, Make sure you read the journal. It's available for a very low cost. Keep in mind, ISCOS membership is probably one of the least expensive memberships you will have in any organization, because not only do you get your membership, but you get the journal and it's electronic, but that's okay. If you want the paper journal, you can pay a little bit more, but it's a really valuable membership at quite a reasonable cost. And Susie and I always joke around, the mentorship goes both ways. She mentors me and I mentor her as well. And that's that's really what it's all about. And that's why it's so important for this engagement and networking. Um, So thank you so much for your time today, Susie, for sharing your research history and knowledge and for speaking so openly with us today. Also, thank you for everything you do for ISCOS and for the field of spinal cord injury research. I have personally benefited from your expertise and knowledge. I've known you for 24 years now. So I thank you for being my mentor and most especially for my friend. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Susie. So I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to this episode of SCI Care, What Really Matters. As always, we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email them to admin at iscos.org.uk. We also have our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. There's always information available there, links to resources, funding to attend the conference, all sorts of things. So keep an eye out and look for those. We hope to see you at the 60th anniversary scientific annual meeting this September. All the details and links to register are in our show notes. Again, you can also find us on social media. So please follow us and join in on the conversation. Until next time, take care for now.